Welcome to Culture Bites, where we take culture theory and turn it into everyday insights. We're powered by Human Synergistics, and our mission is to change the world one organization at a time. We can only do that together with our amazing community, so thank you for listening. Welcome to Culture Bites. My name's Dominic Gawley. I'm a consultant with Human Synergistics Australia, and I'm joined by fellow consultant Sam Mead. Hey, Sam. G'day, Dom. How are you? Yeah, doing pretty well. Which is kind of, I guess, right now is a real question, you know, with lots of people working mm-hmm. remotely. There's lots of articles in the newspaper about, you know, the toll it's taking on people's mental health, potentially. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a time of added stress financially and all sorts of reasons, plus, you know, a huge change in our lifestyle, all that. And I thought, seeing as you're a bloke and seeing as I'm a bloke, and we're both the father of sons, it'd be interesting to kind of pick apart men's mental health in particular. So maybe, you know, how's it been impacted by the situation? But in general, you know, what's it all about? And what uh, maybe some of the watch outs and what we can do about it? How does that sound? It sounds great. And I think it's a topic that I'm, I'm really passionate about because I think the more people talk about this, the more that it can become more accepted in in our society that it's not everyone is going to be okay all the time and it's okay not to be okay. It's okay to ask for help. And the old are you okay text or to your point, the real how are you, mate, I think is a really important thing for blokes because blokes traditionally don't open up to other blokes or to the, uh, their partners, to themselves even. Mm. So I think the fact we're even having the chat, mate, is great. So looking forward to getting into it. So why do you think, you know, it seems that men's mental health is the particular issue that people talk about. So why do you think, what's unique for men, I guess? Why, what's different about it? Yeah, great question. I, I think traditionally men, this concept of the, you know, the male, the breadwinner, the, the stoic, you know, soldier on, I think there's a lot of conditioning in society that we, this adaptedness that we talk about in the LSI, that I think men have had an expectation to be something. And I wonder in 2020 if that's still relevant. And thanks to organizations like Beyond Blue, Black Dog, there's a number of them. And, and I think it's great. There's lots of people that are wanting to talk about this, bring it to the fore and help men see that you don't have to necessarily keep this bottled up and you can talk about it and we should talk about it and communicate broadly that men all of us experience challenges. We all experience, we all have mental health. Mental health ranges from from joy and contentment that live at very high up on self-actualizing to depression, to anxiety, all the stuff that people experience. And we, we sort of hover, all of us probably oscillate somewhere in the middle there. But I think it's just important to recognize in yourself and in others when it starts to go toward that darker space. So I think the more we can just make it a common conversation, like we talk about, I'm physically unwell, people don't seem to label you with anything. I think the more we can have that applied to when people might be experiencing mental health challenges, I think as Aussie blokes, I think that's a step forward. Mm. How's it evolved? So like, you know, compared to yesteryear and 2020, Mm. you know, what's different for blokes now that maybe was not the case in the past? Great question. I think my father was from another generation and, and what he would have passed on to me, I don't think is relevant or it's not relevant in 2020 as it might have been in the 80s or the 70s. You know? So I think that the role of 
man is evolving because the role of the women is evolving as it should and you know it's about equality now and that wasn't necessarily the case back then and so the male was often I can rem- remember my dad coming home and uh, he would work very hard all day and then he's would come home and he'd sit in his chair and he might have a drink before dinner and then mum would fix tea and and that was sort of that real conditioned roles and responsibilities and it is it was yesteryear it's no longer relevant and now my wife works full time I work full time but the this equality just doesn't mean in the workplace around gender balances it actually means about roles and responsibilities at home and chipping in and you know parenting Dom you're a dad now and we are hands-on the role of the father I think is is now the way it should be where we're doing as much as we can I don't think I'll ever be able to do as much as my wife does but I I do a way lot more than I know my dad did with my mum and I think that hopefully continues that we play a really active role in our kids lives and we are partners with our wives in a way our partners because that's why I think that's equality that for me is where it comes to life do you think that's put extra pressure on men these days because they kind of still feel like they need to be the breadwinner and do these other things as well do you think they and maybe the traditional role if you like has kind of been lost so they're maybe not so sure who they're supposed mm. to be you know I think that's a great question. I think that's a fantastic challenge that might be a bit of an insight into why men are feeling more pressure than they've ever felt and what men can stand for in 2020 with if you think about the way often society depicts men it can be either this Homer Simpson type character the you know the the goof uh-huh. or it can be the you know to the other end of the extreme this you know, Harvey Weinstein, Me Too movement, like men can fit in between that. And it's it's about actually what can blokes stand for in 2020? It's good. What does a gentleman mean in 2020? And, and I think it's a it's a great question. Now, I don't necessarily can give you an answer. I can give you what I think it's important to raise boys, to embrace and be inclusive of everyone, gender, race, whatever it is. I think that's important. I think that being comfortable in yourself to know what, you can stand for and being proud about who you are and what you want to be because I think anyone no matter who they are should have the opportunity to access opportunities around education in career in life and I think we want to help our boys grow up in a world that is vastly different to the one our fathers grew up in but to help them be to be happy and effective I do think blokes are in a bit of a, a no man's land I think there is a challenge to take on all this extra what was, you know, never necessarily in our role description as fathers, but to do it in a way that we don't burn out and we don't give ourselves up to everyone else. We still find time for us to enjoy what brings us joy. Is it still okay to be a bloke? Like sometimes I wonder, Sam, you know, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like it's still okay yeah. to enjoy the footy and, and drink a beer and, you know, do kind of quote unquote man stuff, if you like. Like is that, is that okay? I don't know. Yeah, I, I think the the world's changing quickly and it's it's a good thing. COVID-19 is accelerating that change and he's meaning that we're now adapting to new ways to live and to be and we're definitely more isolated than we've ever been before. So I think men, men it's important if men can re, if find themselves being refueled by talking to other men, then I think let's do that. 
I know that my wife can fill her energy levels by talking to her girlfriends. And it was only this morning that we had said that I think it was great for her to try and have a weekend away with her girlfriends. So I think it's to blokes, is it okay for blokes to do bloke things? Yes, it is. And I think it's okay for girls to do what girls want to do. And I think it's girls want to do what blokes want to do. I think there's no rule book anymore. I don't think there's any, Mm. I think people should just feel they should be comfortable in themselves to, to do what makes them happy. As long as it's not bringing any, you know, pain or discomfort to other people, of course. But I think it's how do they continue to refuel to be the best dad, to be the best husband, to be the best at whatever they do for their career. I think I think that's important and, and it doesn't need to be just blokes. It could be socially together. I think it's a yeah, I don't think the we don't have to be hamstrung by it the way it was. I think that people should be okay to want to do what what they want to do as long as it doesn't bring any, you know, as I said, concern to anyone else. Do you think, because just picking up on your point with your, your wife talking to her girlfriends and stuff, you know, men traditionally, instead of kind of chatting about our problems, you know, if your mate's down or whatever, we'll go hang out, we'll go kick a ball around, we'll go shoot some basketball mm. hoops, we'll, mm. I don't know, you know, go do something. And we're not necessarily talking about actually what the issue is, but we're kind of just being mm. there. Do you think that's all right or are we missing a trick? I think this is part of the challenge for men is when they do get together and and shoot some hoops is do they feel they can open up honestly about where they're at or do they still carry that shield, that armour to not necessarily let their mates know that they're not where they're at. The the expectation on men I think is is great because of the changing dynamic at home and more, more broadly in society. I think there is a you know, it's reshaping what that means for them. And I think opening up to your mates is a good start. I think opening up to your mates, your people that you trust about how you're feeling, about the pressures that you are experiencing, talking it over with someone is a great first step. And I think helping people to let that guard down, let the armour down and just say, I'm actually, you know, I've found it tough. I've found it challenging. You know, I don't feel like I can be everything that my wife wants me to be or my kids want me to be. And just even talking it over, you might find that is a health, a healthy way to, to just take stock, to see that, that maybe you're putting pressure on yourself and maybe that you don't need to ha- hold these expectations in oneself around the role that we play. And shooting basketball, you shouldn't feel guilty about it. You should feel that it's part of your energy management plan and it's a part of you refueling your own tanks to go back and help be the dad you want to be. So, yeah, it's a great question again, and I don't feel like I've got an answer for it, but I think the fact we're talking about it is great. And I think mm. that men opening up to each other is a start to their wives, to their is important because they're in it together. That's their life partner, you know. And Sam, what do you reckon, because you kind of talked from the first perspective, like you're, you're mm. from, you know, if, if I'm someone and I'm having some issues or whatever, I can open up. What if it's, you know, your friend, like you're noticing your mate maybe – they don't quite see themselves or something like that. What do you think you could be doing in that situation? And this is where this COVID-19 is really just, I think that's why, because it is such a change to the stimulus. You know, if we think about the S plus T equals R model, the stimulus has been disrupted. So therefore people's thinking may change as a result. And so I think whether it be anyone, doesn't matter if it's man, woman or child, if you see some changes in their normal behavior that, start to, to make you concerned, I think ask the question to say, are you okay? How's it all going? Like what's happening for you? 
if you feel that they need help, there's lots of great organisations that can help people just pick up the phone and have a chat. But I think just just reaching out and saying good day and, and asking them how they're going. And because people are, I feel for my family in Victoria at the moment, I'm, I'm onto the phone more often uh-huh. than I ever have been to them. I'm, I'm concerned about mates that live at home by themselves. Uh-huh. I'm concerned about people that have a dynamic that may not get them to access the normal way of living that they normally do. So I think just awareness, I think having that mindfulness of other people's position and, and keeping an eye on them, I think, but yeah, noticing changes of behaviour and noticing if they're not necessarily as active on, on the text message or on their socials or just in life, if they're not coming to catch-ups regularly, I think just keep an eye on them, but just we don't have to have the answer. We don't. People aren't expecting us to be mm. psychologists because we're not. As mm. an accredited practitioner, I'm not. As a friend, I'm not. I'm not trying to be a psych. I'm, I'm just trying to, you know, our job is to sort of keep an eye on them. And if you feel that they need help, then help them find help. And I think that's a great segue, Sam, to a question we often get, you know, because we're talking about mental health and obviously a lot of listeners of this podcast are accredited practitioners in the LSI. You know, if I'm coaching someone, say, and, and maybe a kind of, mental health issue might be might be there in the conversation you know where's that line for me between being a mm. coach and being a counselor or a psychologist you know how do i walk that line mm. we get asked this question a lot and i would have asked this question early on in in my practitioner career the line is where you feel it to be is what is how i i answer it the line is you know inside your self when you are getting to the edge of where we are qualified to practice. And I would say that here's some considerations because I think the line is you know it in yourself and trust your instinct on that one. But here's some things to consider. When you have the defensive styles beyond the 75th with multiple styles beyond the 75th percentile, I think that's in the LSI one, that is a, that might be uh, an indicator. When you start to touch on experiences in this person's life that may have led to significant trauma, I think that's an indicator. And that remote debriefing that we're all doing now, you means that you are not able to be next to that person. So whereas in a face-to-face debrief, that line uh, may have been a different spot to where it is remotely. So mm-hmm. I'd say think about the environment you're in when you're debriefing and, and what support service you can provide that person. Mm. And so they're just some things that I'd say keep an eye on when you're debriefing, but you know in your heart where that line is. And we're not psychologists. So as a practitioner, I'm not a psychologist. So I, I often refer people to the EAP. I regularly, I ensure that any client I'm working with, I find the EAP number and I'll have it on hand. I encourage people to go and seek additional support on topics if they raise that I feel can help them. We have people in our team that can provide that service. But I, yeah, that's my thoughts on it. What, what's your steer to people on that one, Dom? Yeah, look, I think pretty much the same. And, you know, I think at the end of the day, it's just about being a supportive voice as well, right? And then you're right, mm. if it's kind of beyond perhaps your capability. Most corporates have an EAP provider, employee assistance program provider, you know, so get them connected, all that kind of stuff, you know. I guess it's just about being... Yeah, being supportive, listening, and then, you know, I guess directing them to where they can find some extra support, extra help. Mm. You know, and I don't think, don't feel like you have to do something 
that you can't do. You know, I think sometimes people freak out. And look, it's not that common that it happens. I think people think it's going to be super, super common as well. But it's good just to know what you'll do for when it does happen. So then you're kind of prepared to deal with it. And I think back to, you know, the topic of blokes, I think that's a great frame to put around. You don't need to have the answer. You don't need to. You just need to be there to support people to recognize, even in yourself, if you are experiencing stuff that's coming up for you, then reach out to a mate. It doesn't always have to be you keeping an eye on them. We can, you know, we now know that mental health affects something like one in four people. It's okay not to be okay all the time. So just recognize it yourself and ask for help. Let people in. And we talk about this concept of being vulnerable in the self-actualizing style, but being vulnerable can mean you're letting people see the real you. And it's okay to let people see you not having being across it all the time. And, and in this new world, it no one can be across everything all the time and that's okay i think just more people talking about it particularly men because men aren't traditionally ones to open up to each other and open up to other people so i think the more you know with the lsi or without you just keeping on on yourself and the people around you so we can just have more conversations about this to make this with less stigma attached to it i think that's for me the biggest outcome that we can continue to work toward is making this a as common a conversation like I'm not coming in today because I've got a cold. Mm, absolutely. Thanks for that, Sam. I've enjoyed that conversation. You know, and it's very relevant as, as you mentioned because we both have sons and we're both blokes. So <laughs> this is stuff we should <laughs> should be thinking about and should be aware of. So thanks for your time today to, to have a chat with me about that. Great. Thanks, Dom. Thanks for listening to this episode of Culture Bites. If you enjoy the show, Remember to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, or wherever you get your podcasts. Also, leave us a review. It helps other people to find the show. If you have a question you'd like us to answer, email podcast at human-synergistics.com.au. We'd love to answer it. This podcast is copyrighted by Human Synergistics Australia, all rights reserved. To learn more about what we do, visit human-synergistics.com.au.